0: Book 2 chapter 12 of Robert Falconer by George MacDonald This LibriVox recording is in the public domain Robert Falconer by George MacDonald chapter 12 The Granite Church The next day was Sunday Robert sat after breakfast by his friend's bed You haven't been to church for a long time Robert wouldn't you like to go to-day? said Erickson. I then I want to leave you, Mr. Erickson. I can bide with ye a day the day, and that's better nor going to be at the Kirks in Aberdeen. I should like you to go to-day, though, and see if, after all, there may not be a message for us. If the church be the house of God, as they call it, there should be, now and then at least, some sign of a pillar of fire about it some indication of the presence of god whose house it is i wish you would go and see i haven't been to church for a long time except to the college chapel and i never saw anything more than a fog there might not the fog be the torn edge like of the cloudy pillar suggested robert very likely assented erickson for whatever truth there may be in christianity i'm pretty sure the mass of our clergy have never got beyond judaism They hang on about the skirts of that cloud forever. You see, they think as long as they see the fog, they have a grope of something, but they cannot get a grope of the glory that excelleth, for it's not to look at, but to let you see a thing. Erickson regarded him with some surprise. Robert hastened, to be honest. It's not that I know anything about it, Mr. Erickson. I was only talking nonsense, reasoning from the two symbols of the cloud and the fire knowin nothin aboot the thing itself i'll away to kirk and see what it's like will i give ye a book before i go no thank you i'll just lie quiet till ye come back if i can robert instructed shargar to watch for the slightest sound from the sick-room and went to church as he approached the granite cathedral the only one in the world i presume its stern solidity so like the country and its men lay hold of his imagination for the first time no doubt the necessity imposed by the unyielding material had its share and that a large one in the character of the building whence else the simplest of west windows six lofty narrow slits of light parted by granite shafts of equal width filling the space between the corner buttresses of the nave and reaching from door to roof whence else the absence of tracery in the windows except the severely gracious curves into which the mullions divide but this cause could not have determined those towers so strong that they might have borne their granite weight soaring aloft yet content with the depth of their foundation and aspiring not the whole aspect of the building is an outcome an absolute blossom of the northern nature there is but the nave of the church remaining about 1680 more than a century after the reformation the great tower fell destroying the choir chancel and transept which have never been rebuilt may the reviving faith of the nation in its own history and god at the heart of it lead to the restoration of this grand old monument of the belief of their fathers deformed as the interior then was with galleries and with gavin dunbar's flat ceiling an awe fell upon robert as he entered it when in after years he looked down from between the pillars of the gallery that creeps round the church through the thickness of the wall like an artery and recalled the service of this sunday morning he felt more strongly than ever that such a faith had not reared that cathedral the service was like the church only as a dead body is like a man there was no fervour in it no aspiration the great central tower was gone That morning prayers and sermon were philosophically dull and respectable as any after-dinner speech. Nor could it well be otherwise. One of the favorite sayings of its minister was that a clergyman is nothing but a moral policeman. As such, however, he more resembled one of Dogberry's watch. He could not even preach hell with any vigor, for as a gentleman he recoiled from the vulgarity of the doctrine, yielding only a few feeble words on the subject as a sop to the Cerberus that watches over the dews of the Bible, quite unaware that his notion of the doctrine had been drawn from the Aeneid and not from the Bible. "'Well, have you got anything, Robert?' asked Erickson, as he entered his room. "'Nothing,' answered Robert. "'What was the sermon about?' "'It was all to prove that God is a benevolent being.' "'Not a devil, that is,' answered Erickson. "'Small consolation, that.' small enough responded robert i could not help thinking i knew money a dog that god had made with more of what i would call the divine nature in him nor all that doctor Solus made oot to be in god himself he had no ill intentions with us it amounted to that he was not ill willy as the bairns say but the doctor had some sore work i thought to make that seeing we were all the children of wrath, according to him, born in sin and inheriting the guilt of Adam's first trespass. I do not think Dr. Solis could say that God had done the best he could for us, but he never tried to say anything like that. He just made out wo- that he was a very respectable kind of a God, though maybe no all thing we might wuss. We ought to be thankful that he goes a weak blink of all chance of no being burnt to a all eternity, with nae chance of all. I did not say that he said that, but that's what it all seemed to me to come till. He said a hand to the boot the care of providence, but all the good that he did seemed to me to be but a holding off of something ill till he had made his wheel. Ye would have thought the devil had made the world, and sang God had pitten us until it, and just gied us a bait wag of his hand was to hold the devil off of us when he was like to destroy the breed altogether for the grace that he spake about that was less nor the nature and the providence i could see uncle little of grace unto it here ericson broke in fearful apparently lest his boy friend should be actually about to deny the god in whom he did not himself believe robert he said solemnly one thing is certain if there be a god at all he is not like that if there be a god at all we shall know him by his perfection his grand perfect truth fairness love a love to make life an absolute good not a mere accommodation of difficulties not a mere preponderance of the balance on the side of well-being love only could have been able to create but they don't seem jealous for the glory of god those men they don't mind a speck or even a blot here and there upon him The world doesn't make them miserable. They can get over the misery of their fellow-men without being troubled about them, or about the God that could let such things be. Among Ericsson's papers I find the following sonnets, which belong to the mood here embodied. Oft as I rest in quiet peace am I, thrust out at sudden doors, and madly driven, through desert solitudes and thunder-riven, black passages which have not any sky. The scourge is on me now with all the cry of ancient life that hath with murder striven. How many an anguish hath gone up to heaven, how many a hand in prayer then lifted high, when the black fate came onward with the rush or whirlwind avalanche or fiery spume. Even at my feet is cleft a shivering tomb beneath the waves, or else, with solemn hush, the graveyard opens and I feel a crush, as if we were all huddled in one doom comes there o earth no breathing time for thee no pause upon thy many checkered lands now resting on my bed with listless hands i mourn thee resting not continually hear i the plashing borders of the sea answer each other from the rocks and sands troop all the rivers seawards nothing stands but with strange noises hasteth terribly loam-eared hyenas go a-moaning by Howls to each other all the bloody crew of afric's tigers but oh men from you comes the perpetual sound more loud and high than aught that vexes air-i hear the cry of infant generations rising too they represent a god who does wonderfully well on the whole after a middling fashion i want a god who loves perfectly he may kill he may torture even but if it be for love's sake lord here am i Do with me as thou wilt. Had Ericson forgotten that he had no proof of such a god, the next moment the intellectual demon was awake. But what's the good of it all, he said? I don't even know that there is anything outside of me. You know that I'm here, Mr. Erickson, suggested Robert. I know nothing of the sort. You may be another phantom, only clearer. You speak to me as if you thought me somebody. So does the man to his phantoms, and you call him mad. It is but a yielding to the pressure of constant suggestion. I do not know. I cannot know if there is anything outside of me. But if there were not, there would be naebody for you to love, Mr. Erickson. Of course not. Nor naebody to love you, Mr. Erickson. Of course not. Sign you would be your own god, Mr. Erickson. Yes, that would follow. I cannot imagine a war hell, closed in among nethin, with nethin all aboot ye, looking something all the time, knowing that it's all a lee, and nae able to wing clear of it. It is hell, my boy, or anything worse, you can call it. What force did ye believe that, then, Mr. Erickson? I would not believe such an ill thing as that. I don't think I could believe it, if you were to prove it to me. I don't believe it. Nobody could prove that either, even if it were so. I am only miserable that I can't prove the contrary. Suppose there were a God, Mr. Ericson. Do you think ye behoved to be able to prove that? Do ye think God could stand to be proved as if he were something small enough to be turned roan and roan and looked at upon ilk side? If there were a God, would it not just be so that we could not prove him to be, I mean, Perhaps that is something I have often thought of that, but then you can't prove anything about it. I cannot help thinking of what Mister Innes said to me once. I was but a laddie, but I never forgot it. I plagued him sore with wanting to understand elka thing afore I would gang on with my songs. Says he all day, Robert, my man, if you will, I understand afore you do as you're taught. You'll never understand anything but if you do the thing I tell you, you'll be in the midst of it afore you know at your, are going into it. I just thought I would try him. It was at long division that I boggle most. Well, I got on, and I could do the thing well enough. On made a mistake. And I, I thought, the master was wrong. For I never knew the reason of all that beginning at the wrong end, and taking doon and, and subtractin' and all that you would hardly believe me mr ericson it was only this very day as i was sitting in the kirk it was a long psalm they were singing and one with the foxes in the tail of it long division came into my head again and first a bit glimmering of light came in and sign another and afore the psalm was done i saw through the whole process of it but you see if i had not done as i was told and learnt all about who it was done aforehand i would have had nothing to go on risen in the boot, and would have found out nothing. That's good, Robert, but when a man is dying for food, he can't wait. He might try to get up and look, though. He need not bide in his bed till somebody comes and swears to him at he saw Haddock in the press. I have been looking, Robert, for years. Maybe like me, only for the reason of it, Mr. Erickson, if you'll forgive my impotence but what's to be done in this case robert where's the work that you can do in order to understand where's your long division man you're beyond me no i cannot tell that mr erickson it cannot be going to the kirk surely maybe it might be saying your prayers and reading your bible erickson did not reply and the conversation dropped is it strange that neither of these disciples should have thought of turning to the story of jesus Finding some word that he had spoken and beginning to do that as a first step towards a knowledge of the doctrine that Jesus was the incarnate God, come to visit his people, a very unlikely thing to man's wisdom, yet an idea that has, notwithstanding, ascended above man's horizon and shown itself the grandest idea in his firmament. In the evening Ericson asked again for his papers, from which he handed Robert the following poem, Words in the Night i woke at midnight and my heart my beating heart said this to me thou seest the moon how calm and bright the world is fair by day and night but what is that to thee one touch to me down dips the light over the land and sea all is mine all is my own toss the purple fountain high the breast of man is a vat of stone i am alive i only i one little touch and all is dark the winter with its sparkling moons, the spring with all her violets, the crimson dawns and rich sunsets, the autumn's yellowing noons. I only toss my purple jets, and thou art one that swoons upon a night of gust and roar, Shipwrecked among the waves and seams, Across the purple hills to roam. Sweet odours touch him from the foam, And downward sinking still he dreams. He walks the clover field at home, And hears the rattling teams all is mine all is my own toss the purple fountain high the breast of man is a vat of stone i am alive i only i thou hast beheld a throated fountain spout full in the air and in the downward spray a hovering iris span the marble tank which as the wind came ever rose and sank violet and red so my continual play makes beauty for the gods with many a prank of human excellence while they weary of all the noon in shadows sweet supine and heavy-eyed rest in the boundless heat let the world's fountain play beauty is pleasant in the eyes of jove betwixt the wavering shadows where he lies he marks the dancing column with his eyes celestial and amid his inmost grove up gathers all his limbs serenely blessed lulled by the mellow noise of the great world's unrest one heart beats in all nature differing but in the work it works its doubts and clamours are but the waste and brunt of instruments wherewith the work is done or as the hammers on Ford's cyclopean plied beneath the rents of lois etna conquering into shape the hard and scattered ore choose thou narcotics and the dizzy grape outworking passion lest with horrid crash thy life go from thee in a night of pain so, tutoring thy vision, shall the flash of dove-white-breasted be to thee no more than a white stone heavy upon the plain. Hark! the cock crows loud, and without, all ghastly and ill, like a man uplift in his shroud, the white, white morn is propped on the hill. And adown from the eaves, pointed and chill, the icicles begin to glitter, and the birds with the warble, short and shrill, pass by the chamber-window still with a quick uneasy twitter let me pump warm blood for the cold is bitter and wearily wearily one by one men awake with the weary sun life is a phantom shut in thee i am the master and keep the key so let me toss thee the days of old crimson and orange and green and gold so let me fill thee yet again with the rush of dreams from my spout amain for all is mine and all is my own toss the purple fountain high the breast of man is a vat of stone and i am alive i only i robert having read sat and wept in silence Ericsson saw him and said tenderly robert my boy i'm not always so bad as that read this one though i never feel like it now perhaps it may come again some day though i may once more deceive myself and be happy do not say that mr Ericsson, that's war than despair that's flat unbelief you no more know that you're deceiving yourself than you know that you're no doing it erickson did not reply and robert read the following sonnet aloud feeling his way delicately through its mazes lie down upon the ground thou hopeless one press thy face in the grass and do not speak dost feel the green globe whirl seven times a week climbeth she out of darkness to the sun which is her god seven times she doth not shun awful eclipse laying her patient cheek upon a pillow ghost beset with shriek of voices utterless which ra- rave and run through all the star penumbra craving light and tidings of the dawn from east and west calmly she sleepeth and her sleep is blest with heavenly visions and the joy of night Treading aloft with moons, nor hath she fright, though cloudy tempest beat upon her breast. Ericsson turned his face to the wall, and Robert withdrew to his own chamber. End. Chapter twelve